Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to this very special teleclass tonight or teleservice, whatever form you use. We have a very, very, very special guest tonight with us, Reverend Nettie Spiewak. I'm so happy to have her. She's a longtime member of Celebrating Life, a reverend, but she wears many, 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 many hats. And I'm so happy that our CLM group gets to host this teleclass to really get to know who we have within our community because there's a rich tradition of many different traditions. And Nettie is a classic when it comes to multiple going deeper into the divine. So would you give a Celebrating Life welcome to Nettie Spivak? Yay. Oh, thanks, Nicole. <laughs> thanks. So I'm, I'm going to assume that you and I are unmuted. You can hear me, right? Very clearly, Checking. yes. Okay, great. Yes. And Paul had asked me to start with a song, and typically I don't like singing on the telephone, not even the happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there but, you go. Right. But I said I will start with a chant as an invocation. And just to give people a little background, I'm sure some people know these and some people don't, I'm going to do three Sanskrit chants. And the first one is the Gayatri Mantra. And we're starting with that because it's an appeal to the light, to illuminate our intellect, and to dispel our ignorance so we can merge with the divine. And the second one is what's called it's the Guru Dhyan. So it is the meditation on the Guru. Now the Guru is not your the person who you might pray to in a picture. It's really God, the presence of God or the divine. So we ask that that presence be invoked. And lastly, I'm going to do the Maha Mrityum Jaya mantra. So that's a mouthful, also known as yes, the Triambakam. <laughs> but believe me, after my whole life, I can still barely say the name of it. But, <laughs> no, that's the truth. The first I mantra I ever that. learned. Wow. But it is the one of the oldest, and it is the invocation of immortality, the death-defying mantra. So here we go. Okay, so take a deep breath. Perfect. And I'm just going to start with three ohms, and I will be doing Om Shanti in between the three prayers. Okay. Om. Om. Tatsavitur Varenyam Fargo Devasya Dimahi Dioyona Prachodayat Om Pur Bubaswaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Fargo Devasya Dimahi Dioyona Prachodayat Om Pur Bubaswaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Bargo Devasya Dimahi Dioyona Prachodayat Om Shanti 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 Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwaraha Guru Sakshat Parapramma Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Om Shanti 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 Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugandim Pushtivardhanam Urva Kamivabandhanam Rityor Mukshiyam Amritat Swaha Om Shanti 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 We ask the Holy Spirit in all his and her divine forms to enter into each one of our hearts, homes, and intellect now and bless Paul and myself tonight to speak through us, heal through us, love through us, and feel through us and be our voice and our mind and our hearts as we offer all that we are and all that we have and do at the divine feet. And so it is. And so it is. So it is. That was such a rich chanting. Really, I call it still my heart. I love to hear chanting. I'm not always really good at leading it, 
but following it is just magnificent. So I just want to say thank you for that invocation. And it really covered a lot of the, I call it the spiritual traditions in that. So thank you, Nettie. You know, and I think it might be a good idea to let people know your background because it's so full and rich, you know, so would you do that for us? Sure. So for those who don't know me personally, I was born into a very rich and wonderful Jewish culture. And in a, I often define it as a post-Holocaust community, meaning I grew up around many survivors. And wow. Judaism was one of the, I was not in a religious paradigm at all, but it was intensely Jewish. And other Jewish people understand that because there was a desire to hold on to the Jewish identity but not necessarily to go to temple. So there was a lot Mm. of mixed, different kinds of backgrounds in that regard. And when I was about 17 years old, I was on a trip to Israel. My sister lived in Israel, and my mother and my brother were there. And in short, I had a revelation about Jesus when I was standing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow. And when you're a nice Jewish girl from the Bronx, that's not good news to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yes, I get the picture. <laughs> so I, I definitely kept that to myself for a while until it came spilling out. And my folks yanked me out of school where I had been in school in Kansas City and in art wow. school. And that began a long journey of I was very fortunate to have some great uh, exposure to a lot of both psychological and transformational work until eventually, and I kind of put my spiritual life underground until somewhere in the 90s. So to put it very, very simply, I had a very intense, I went to India for the first time on a conference. It was not a spiritual pilgrimage, but when I came back, I had what is classically known as a Kundalini awakening. And that experience, Experience brought me to many things eventually because it was a very painful experience physically, emotionally, in many ways. But I did recognize what was happening at some level. And eventually that landed me in, at the feet of Sachi Sai Baba, who became my Sadguru. I have had mm. many teachers, but and Ron Roth was one of them. And Sai Baba basically sent me to Ron Roth. Wow. And then I became part of Celebrating Life 18 years ago. And I'm still here. Ah, that's <laughs> amazing. Here. <laughs> I know. Cause, go, ahead. go ahead. I I laugh at that because I'm pretty much very traditional, almost exact mm-hmm. opposite as you, but yet mm-hmm. our hearts sang when it comes for devotional. So yes. that really is the link that really is soul to soul there. But, and Nettie, right. I want to highlight a, a, something you just said um, when you had your Kundalini experience. That you mm-hmm. said, because when people think of that, they'll say, oh, it had to be beautiful and blissful. It was part of that. But then it also had this, the other side of it where it becomes transformational. Now, that hurts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a very well, painful that's... way. But I appreciate you bringing that up because I really haven't heard that someone say that before. So I just want to acknowledge that. Well, I want to say, Paul, and thank you for bringing that up, that my Kundalini awakening was not the entire whole nine yards where people go into the bliss experience. So, And we could do a whole separate class on that. But I knew it definitely (laughs) transformed my consciousness. There's no question. Mm. And it was a year long and had a lot of physical manifestations. And I saw a lot of doctors and had a lot of tests because it was all neurological. And it was really, it was Norm Shealy, actually, who in the end. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah when I, I was, yes, and I was out in his PhD program, which I didn't finish, but I did begin, and wow. I was describing it to Norm, I mean, it was a few years after, and he said, Nettie, it sounds like a classic Kundalini experience to me, so when a neurologist, when a neurosurgeon yeah. tells you that, <laughs> ta-da, ta-da, I was that, but yeah. what you, I want to come back to what you just said, by the way, for those of you who don't know this, I've, I have 18 years of making Paul laugh, it's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> If I wow, can get Paul to joy laugh, here. it's a good day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, but on a, on, a, on a slightly slightly more serious note, I mean, I know. <laughs> the topic tonight, and I think I surprised you a little bit, but it really grows right out of what you just said about transformational transformations of consciousness 
And even what people think of a kundalini, right? It's like, oh, you know, and it'll rush up my spine and I'll go into bliss. And, yeah. Yes, but <laughs> yeah. it might burn you to a crisp along the way and <laughs> make you toast. I understand it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I selected some stories about one of the things that has always drawn me is the world culture. You know, I'm an interfaith minister through a different discipline. I went to a seminary for that. And mm-hmm. I love the different cultures of the world. And for the past... 15, 20 years. I've been steeped in Indian culture. But prior to that, I mean, my aunt gave me a book on Greek mythology when I was 10 years old, and I ate that up. And Christianity and many of this. So I don't know every tradition, but I do appreciate, and some of you may be aware of Jung or Archetypes or Joseph Campbell Mm. and all of those things. And I'd love to speak to that a little bit, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. I just want to kind of say that the, to go into this, that the first point by a little background, in, I had a very, very life-transforming experience in India in 2005. It was between 2004 and 5. And without going into all of the details, I will say that along the way, I was at Sai Baba's ashram, and I went across the street to a bookstore, and I prayed to be shown something I wanted to read the great Indian epic, which is called the Mahabharata, or the great epic of India. And in those days, I could, it was sound, the name itself sounded to me like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I mean, Mahabharata, I couldn't even say it. So I, I, did, I did pray over a translation, like, okay, get this one. And I shipped it home by ship, in those days by ship and took months mm. to arrive. But it arrived at the right moment. And once I opened it, I could not put it down. This was an English translation. And I spoke to one of my Indian friends. I told her what I was, that I was reading, the Mahabharata. And she said to me, Nettie, watch out. She said, you know, <laughs> when you take in certain things, she said, the people who read the Mahabharata, Sometimes it destroys the life at the end. And she meant it undoes your, you know, whatever was your life. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was I didn't finish the last page. <laughs> <laughs> You're always breaking the rules. <laughs> I am. But eventually I did, and it didn't help. So I'm not going to talk about Mahabharata tonight, but I am going to talk about four. Yeah, I'll leave that one out. <laughs> Right. But they're all, the reason I brought that up was because there are stories that in fact, they're not stories. They are encoded instructions from the rishis, from the great ones. I started with the Gayatri Mantra and I can tell you that in the beginning was the word, right? In the beginning was the Gayatri Mantra, the Gayatri Mantra. And I can't, you know, again, I could do five classes on that, but let's just say those syllables were first heard and to make it more available to people, as time went on, it became the Vedas. And yeah. the Vedas then came into the stories of the Purans, which are the stories that we know I'll talk about a little bit. But one of the quotes from Sai Baba that I love, if you listen, just because you didn't know that, like, for example, you didn't know that China existed doesn't mean the country didn't exist. And the fact that you, ah, you know, people yeah. found out about the Vedas doesn't mean that when they were written down, that's when they were, they have always existed. So the stories, I thought about this and about spring, that the, the oh, yeah. spring is a time rebirth. for renewal, mm-hmm. rebirth. And as I wrote to you, Paul, I said one of my favorite things that Ron Roth used to say was he said that, you know, if you listen really closely in the spring outside, here's something you'll never hear. You'll never hear the flowers going, You won't hear that. Spring comes and these stores of energy, the bulbs in the ground, everything gets the signal to grow. And so I have four stories I want to talk about that are, I picked, they came to me, I'm assuming they were given to me to talk about, and two of them based are male and two of them are female. I mean, they both have men and women in them, but like two of them are male. And the first one, of course, is we've just finished Passover, right? We just finished Passover and Easter. And Passover has, for those people who I know, well, Virginia's on the phone and I I know that Virginia's probably been to at least one Seder and being married to Rick over these years. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. And Paul, maybe you've been at one. I don't know. Have you? 
Yes, I have. Yeah. Right. So the, the first thing, the thing that you'll hear year in and year out when people recite the story is, once we were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out with a mighty, with his outstretched arm, and that that yeah. is said over and over and over again. So we can spend an infinite, infinite amount of time talking about the Exodus, and it's really not a spring story except for two big things. <laughs> One is we do it in the spring. So for me, it's always about spring. I mean, making Passover, my mom would buy daffodils, stuff like that. It happens in uh, the spring on our calendar. The second yeah. thing is lambing season was about the lamb that mm. was sacrificed, and lambs are born sure. in the spring. Yes, they are. So it is a yeah. spring story. But what it's really a story about is a moving from an older consciousness into the next stage of consciousness. Mm. And the Jews were slaves for... 400 years, according to the biblical story. Yeah. So when you are enslaved, you develop a slave consciousness. And the truth is, we're always enslaved by something. If you're, for most of us, if you're in a body, you are enslaved, enslaved in yeah. some way. You're enslaved to your wants and needs. You're enslaved to your physical desires, your attachments, whatever they are. So the story, of course, everybody knows. I mean, so for me, it's still Charlton Heston I see as Moses. It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Good picture. <laughs> Not see him anyway else. But, you know, one of the, sto- the things that got me in the Moses story was always that here God appears. What did they go through? There's 10 plagues in Egypt, right? They went through yeah. all of that. They get saved mm-hmm. from the slaying of the firstborn. They get pursued sued by the, one of the greatest army on the planet, they, the water parts, and then they are led by a pillar of fire at night and a dust cloud by day, and then there was no food. So I'm going to pause here for talk about food because that's part of what this is, what I want to talk about. So God sends manna, right, manna from heaven. And Paul, do you, yeah. do you know, do you remember anything about the instruction about manna? Here's a little Old Testament quiz. You may not know. No, I don't. I'm going to say no. Okay. All right. So the thing was, God provided the food, but the only enough to be eaten for that day. Yes, daily. And if you tried to hoard it, it got full of money. Yes. Yes. Right? So the Mm -hmm. need was provided for that day. So here you had all of these amazing things. And wouldn't you think that by the time they reached Mount Sinai, And Moses says, okay, I have to go talk to God for a while. Wouldn't you think that at that point, people would be patient? It's like, but no, it's like, what have you done for me me lately? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. If you really live that peace out, it's true. You have to ask that question. You do. What have you done for me lately? And the thing is, this is in so many stories, not just this story. Is that, I mean, then they go on, they build our own story, too. Yeah, Yeah, don't go there. (laughs) We have miracles and miracles and miracles, right? Do we not? Did you yeah. not see practically, I mean, almost like resurrections? You saw, right. you know, and you see them all the time, right? And, yeah. you know, all the time miracles, you, you, and you have yeah. spent your life in the presence right. of these miracles. But tell the truth. Don't you have your moments where it's like, God, when are you going to take, when are you going to take I, care of this? <laughs> we always slide that in under the cover, but there it is. I asked that in. this week. It goes, but God, <laughs> like he yes. don't know it. He knows our thoughts. Yes. So it's like, hello. Right. Okay. Well, you, so you gave me manna. Okay. That's great. But what about tomorrow? What if you don't send it tomorrow? <laughs> Sounds like a little whiny. <laughs> yeah. But in truth, that's what happens. And yeah. in, it's not just in that story. Now, the end of that, you know, obviously I can't go into all the details. Most people know the details. Moses sure out of an episode that happened, was not allowed to see the promised land. And the Jews yeah. had to wander for 40 years in the desert. Now, you've got to yeah. get the picture that the geographic area they were wandering in, in 40 years, it was like chasing your tail in your backyard. <laughs> really. There was not yeah. enough territory to wander. But why, why did they wander <laughs> was because the slave mentality had to die out. Yeah. And a new consciousness had to be born, and in this case, in the younger people. And when I saw those kids from Parkland 
leading these rallies. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what I thought. They're the Joshua. Oh, They're perfect. the Joshua. Yes. Yes. So Isn't that interesting? All, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, I want to just yeah, insert this. It's like that, that concept of um, the old generation has died out. Now, if we take that personally, it's like old self, where mm-hmm. I have the Kundalini experience, the born-again experience. We have to let go of the old of what we were conditioned with and now expand into the new. So this is perfect, and I call it this divine setup if you see it in the bigger picture. So thank yeah. you, Daddy. So fun. That it's perfect, and that's exactly about dying to. You have to literally, and Moses went through, if you look at it, there were a million mini trials, and each one, in a sense, they got bigger and bigger. Now, one of the greatest things that I learned from Ron Roth was the five stages of prayer and healing, Mm, because that is a template. They had these amazing experiences. And then even Moses had powers, right? He, he had powers to bring water from the rock or from stretch his staff out. But then there were great times of despair and like, go find yourself another leader. Who needs this? Who needs to feed 600,000 people in the desert and de- deal with mm, that? I mean, it was, yeah, it, it was tough. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's really, I want to move on to the next story because there's a couple. So the next one, of course, spring and tied in with Passover is the next extension is, of course, Jesus. And Jesus is a story of a growth of consciousness as a pattern for growing yourself as well as all the other symbolisms that we celebrate traditionally or in traditional Christianity. But he was, I'll just zero in on two elements. So the first one is that when he was baptized and God comes, the holy dove comes and he hears the voice, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. The very next thing that happens, I mean, that's like, in a sense, Paul, what you just said, like the Kundalini experience. And yeah. what's the next thing that happens? Do you remember? He has to withdraw and he goes to the desert. To the desert for 40 days. He goes to the desert for 40 days. And partly after an enlightenment experience, as people like Carrie have taught from our own community mm. or anyone yeah. I've ever studied with, there's mm-hmm. always a period of integration. Yes, there is. Yeah. And you went through that. I know. I didn't believe it until I went through it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's right. a spiritual law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you have to integrate. So you don't just get a download and then it's like, oh, okay, I'll meet you for coffee. It's, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe some people do. But yeah, the more, maybe. Correct. Maybe. At some point. But the truth is there's usually an integration. And so Jesus goes and he has to be, there's a purification process that he goes through. And he, that's the temptation, right? The, the 40 days yeah. getting tempted. And again, like Moses, like, what do you need all this for? I can make you the king. Mm. And we call that the satanic voice. But yeah. it was the test. It was really, am I going to live this life that I'm being called to? Am I going mm. to do it? I could do something else. And I'm sure that that voice was as much inside him as some guy with black wings standing outside. Right. So that was the, yeah. first, the first having to go through this delving into one's deeper consciousness and seeing what's there. And then the next one, so you don't get to do it just once, but the next big one, of course, <laughs> is in the Garden of Gethsemane and the mm. crucifixion. Yeah. Now, in 1999, I went to Egypt with Carolyn Mace. As a matter of fact, ah, and perfect. I, yeah, and it was, I got to be in the pyramid. I remember something that I began to do a lot of studies about the pyramid and so on. And the Egyptians had the pyramid was used, I believe, as an initiation chamber and being in there and feeling oh, inner yes. energies. So it's, it's an initiation into a higher consciousness. And those people who were on the mystery school path there eventually would be given a a particular drink that put them in a state of, let's say, suspended animation in a sense, that took them into the deep world. And as one teacher said to me, and after three days in the period, you know, you were left there, and either you died or you came out enlightened. And that person was called a top, P-T-A-H. So again, three days in the tomb, three days in the pyramid, Oh, wow. Three days in the tomb for a total transformation into a higher life. And 
we know all about the suffering. I don't have to go through all of that beforehand, and we've just come through Easter. But the point is yeah. everybody wants higher consciousness. Nobody right. wants to pay the tax. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. Like Ron Roth always I, says, for penny cost, it's not, not penny free. It's, it's penny cost. There's a cost to that higher consciousness. Yeah, there, and, and so what happens, I want to switch gears and talk about the Greek myth of Demeter and Persephone and Hades. So Demeter was the goddess of the earth, and she was responsible for all of our food and for all the beautiful things of the earth, and she had a daughter, Persephone. And Persephone was, of course, the embodiment of innocence and beauty, and one day, Demeter's brother also, you know, they were all related in Greek mythology. Hades, oh, sure. he's the mm. god of the underworld. He yeah. sees the beautiful Persephone, and he comes and he abducts her down to the underworld. And Demeter has a fit and goes, mm. basically, she demands that her daughter be released. So there's many versions of these stories, all of them, but here's the essential. Yeah. The essential is that Zeus says that she can be released as long as she has not consumed any food from the underworld. So she has, in fact, consumed six pomegranate seeds. Even though she knew she probably shouldn't, she did. And because of those six pomegranate seeds, she was allowed to come back onto the earth for six months a year, but every six months she had to go back to the underworld. So what is really the meaning of that story? First of all, Innocence has to give way to a more mature consciousness. We have mm. to. And there's, part of it is we get taken away into this underworld. And in the underworld is your own worst fears, your own worst. You have to face your unconscious, let's put it that way. It, yeah. And Hades, there's many meanings of Hades, but one thing you could, you could call it hell, not in the Christian sense of hell, but it's the land of True. the shades. Yeah. It means facing the things that one is most afraid of. Mm, and perfect. she had to go down there, but and I'm going to bring you back to the food thing. So there's two themes in these. One is that you're going to have to go through these uncomfortable transformations. The second is the symbolism of food. So in Moses, God provided, but for that day. With Jesus, the food symbolism, of course, is communion the night before, where he says, and Ron used to talk about, taking the divine vibration in from the food. But in the next two yeah. stories, which is this story and the one that follows, it's very, a point is made about that the company you keep and the vibration of the food you take in affects your consciousness. So mm. Persephone could have left except for the fact that she ate the food of the place. And by eating the food of that place, she, had, she now had that in her consciousness. And so she was allowed to return for part of the year, but not for all. So there's many, many, many themes that are buried in that story, but literally the having to take the innocence, get, go down to the underworld, to look at the shadows, to look at the things one's afraid of, and then to come back into, you're no longer the innocent one, but she right. could still enjoy the spring with her mother. The last story, which is, one of the most powerful for me personally, and it comes in that category of transformational stories, is the story of Sita in the Indian Quran, so the Indian stories. And again, it's a very long one, so I'm just going to go into a main incident. So in the Indian Purans, the male-female is the Purusha, is the still, all-pervading, high-self, consciousness from which everything occurs, that absolute stillness, mm. self with a big S, God with a okay. big G. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. And the feminine is prakriti or nature. And so the male-female pairings have a lot of that. And in this case, the Lord Vishnu or the God of the preserver who incarnates periodically came during a time of trouble as the central figure Ram and Lakshmi, his consort, came into being as Sita. Now, 
there are very there are parallels to the last story, and that parallel is Sita was the daughter of she was born from the earth, like Demeter's daughter Persephone. Same thing, the earth goddess. So there's yeah. something about nature and about being born of the material. Let's call it the material world. And Sita and Ram, because of an incident that happens and along with someone else in the story, they go, they go on in exile. So they're all kings and queens, and yet, I, you know, someday I'm going to write a book called Out of the Palace into the Forest, because that's the theme of many Indian epics. They get thrown out of the palace, they actually leave voluntarily, and they're on a 14-year exile. But during that exile, just about the time when they're ready to come back and they've done everything, Sita is abducted. And the reason she's abducted is that she sees a golden deer. And she says to Ram, go get me that deer. And Ram's mm-hmm. brother says, you know there's no such thing as a golden deer. It's probably a demon in disguise. But she puts up a big fuss and Ram has to go and get the deer for her. And while he does that, she's abducted by a demon, a very, very famous demon. And his name is Ravan. And she's held prisoner in the land of Sri Lanka, in Lanka, by Ravan mm. for a long time. And then Ram has to fight a war to get her back. And there's a lot of that in there. But the story is this. And this is, I heard this from, I, I was able to attend a whole workshop on the Ramayan from Swami Jyotir Mayananda, who's an, an enlightened sage. And he wow. said, Sita represents the intuitive intellect that we have so it's not intuition like get me a parking space it's (laughs) it's intuition like what is truth and what is not and Mm. yet she's of the world and she falls for the illusion or she goes after the illusion of the golden deer and it gets her in trouble and she what happens is she crosses her the limits that have been put around her and Ah, she goes she's taken prisoner to Lanka now, what happens in Lanka is, while she's prisoner, is that they know that Sita will starve to death rather than eat the food of the place. Like Persephone did not eat the food of, of Hades. I mean, she did yeah. eat the food of Hades. Yeah, right. So Brahma, the Lord, sends an angel, I mean, uh, without going into uh, all the backstories, with sure. uh, a holy potion that she won't have to eat the food of that place. Mm-hmm. And that sustains her. So there's a tie-in again with that when you get distracted, or first of all, your journey to consciousness is ultimately about going through these dark places. And then, as with Sita, to reunite. So the journey of the intuitive intellect is to marry again with God. So we want to come into incarnation. We want to play on the earth. We want to explore all these things. But we want to reunite with the high self, with the Purusha. And it requires a series of purifications. So there's a couple of themes for me, and I'm, I'm just going to wrap up with this thought, and then we can kind of talk about it or take questions or whatever. But all of these stories have in combination that there is no escaping the journey to the underworld. There is no escaping confronting, I will say, your worst fears or a journey into hell. And like with the Jews in the desert, you might be wandering around a long time, but be right next to the promised land but the time will come when the old slave mentality dies out your slavery your bondage to the things that have been important in the earth in your life the false deer all of those things eating the food with your eyes or with your mind that Mm. is not good for you that doesn't support your conscious evolution and then spring comes and to wrap up as Ron said Ultimately, you don't have to effort because at the moment, I'm going to come back to something Kerry teaches, in surrender, God will come and get you. Ram mm. will come and rescue Sita, right? God yes. will come and get you and Absolutely. reunite the two pieces of consciousness. So that's what I wanted to say. And I'll stop talking now and let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love these stories because, again, relating to my own call it, regular life, my spiritual journey, I think they're one and the same, hitting these uh, desert experiences. And one of the first questions that I would always ask is, well, how long is this going to be? <laughs> I can do it for a years. while. Yeah, I know. It's like, 
now I look back at my life and went, I'm just now starting to live in my 60s. And I was like, I finally have this awareness. I don't know where, you know, I was out serving, but it wasn't serving me. But until I had my desert experience with Ron's passing, and it's like, I, I couldn't, I had no identification with it. You think, mm-hmm. I serve, I serve, I love God, I pray, I do all these things. I shouldn't be treated like this because I earned my wings. And mm-hmm. that was all ego. And I didn't know it was ego. So it really, mm-hmm. for me, I had to die. And I remember a wise one says, Paul, you have to die. And I go, why? I earned this. Oh, and it's like, mm-hmm. but earn what? My life. But I, you're supposed to give up your life. And so mm-hmm. with Ron's passing, forced me to look inward at myself. And I mm-hmm. came to the conclusion, only God could put a situation like this in my life. So I knew right. it came from God, but it still did not feel good at all. I mean, because right. let's face it, dying is hard. Right. Dying is painful. And it was right. all with, again, about relationships. And so, again, what it did for me was it turned my gaze to God, and I trusted God even though it didn't feel good. And that was the beginning of this spiritual journey now that I'm on. And it's like, wow, but the scripture says we keep drinking the milk, but you need mm-hmm. to eat the meat. It's like we need mm-hmm. to go deeper. And I'm sure everyone on this call can relate to that. We had fun. We had these mystical experiences. And then this, I call it the shadow comes, Haiti comes. You name what that is for you. And all of a sudden, you start to second guess, like, is there all that there is? But it's really the divine wooing us into a place of emptiness in order for the divine to show up and go, ta-da, here I am. Now come, and I'll feed from this nectar. And it's like, that's why I think the Eastern tradition is so rich in the picture form that you just created for us. And it's like, I fall in love with that and want to do it more. I mean, I just know too, Passover, Easter, Holy Week for me is such, I love it. And it goes back to, I don't want to say I suffer, but I really look at those pieces of me that don't serve me. And it's really a, a, I call it a rich tradition for me. Before, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you have to do penance, you have to do this. And it's like, it's not about that anymore. It's about me letting go of me, the the big eye, or, you know, the small eye, so the big one can take over. And it's like, I, that's why it's like, even in this past, last week, during Holy Week, that's all I did was cry. I mean, it was, an, it was another purification happening in my life. And I just know it's like another enfoldment. And it's like, okay, right. I know it's stirring again. So I know the spirit is taking me to a different place. And I'm willing to go this time without the struggle. And it's either, that's why, like with Jesus, you know, you would think the 40 days in the desert was enough, but look what was with the next thing waiting. And I just want to point out what you said is, and this is the part that people don't really like to look at. If you look at the physical end, of a lot of these people, it weren't so great. Moses, yes. he did get to lead the people, and they say he died a very old age. I mean, there's wonderful things. He didn't get to the promised land, right? I know. Yeah. Jesus, we know how he left what happened to his body and <laughs> what he had to go through. Right. Persephone did get to go on. She does get to come back, but she has to alternate between the two. And when she goes down to Hades, she's queen of the underworld. So we're not saying mm. that it is, but you know, you don't right. necessarily get happily ever after. And Sita, yeah. there's a lot yeah. that happens to her. So you yeah. may get the periods, like you just said, Paul, of that there is great, you went through all of this, and then you've had a time of, you've never been as joyous or as free as I've seen you right. in the past couple yeah. of years. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're not going through what you just said now, and it's a continuous right. process. And you know, I've been in this process for years now. And mm. for five yeah. years, I have been out of the palace into the forest, and I'm deep in the forest. So <laughs> re- these yeah. stories help, they help me, they help me remember. Yeah. So I was going to suggest I, that we op- open the lines and take questions unless you mm-hmm. want to add anything else. Yeah, well, let's do that. See, this has touched your heart. So let's open up the lines. I think we can hit the bar. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a local bar, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, somebody's there. I hear a voice. Oh, hi, Padre. Hi, Nettie. This is Mary Coyne. Yes. I just want to know that you didn't know that this was extremely profound for me to hear at this time in my life and I can relate on many levels and I just thank you so much for speaking of these things 
they resonate very deeply. You're welcome. That's all I want to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks. Perfect. I like that. Hi, can you guys hear me? I can. Yes, Uh, we can. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so wonderful. This is Andrea. I'm a new student. I started on January 11th, so it was 11118. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. And what, what is so amazing about being part of this community is I've been on my path since I was 15. I'm 63. And everything that everybody talks about, it's like, it's like all these pieces of the puzzle are coming together. And it's, I just feel so at home. I feel like, oh, thank God everybody else is going through this. Thank God everybody else is dying. Now I don't feel so alone. (laughs) Yes, yes. I understand that spirit, Andrea, and it's like for coming into something new, like celebrating life, it has many pieces, but when our hearts resonate, then we know, okay, let's walk this path for now. might not be forever, but it's for now, and you recognize that. So to me, you're really recognizing the spirit leading you, which is such a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm just, Nettie, when you were talking, thank you so much, Padre Paul, and Nettie, when you were talking about all these different stories, everything resonated with me because I'm Jewish and I was a Hare Krishna, mm-hmm. and I've, I've touched on all these different pieces and I thought oh well now I'm being led to celebrating life and where's all that other stuff going and and it's Mm -hmm. all coming together so it's like Mm. oh that's where it's going so oh thank you so so much thanks thank you for saying that and and it is true that there's really only one story and that's how come they can keep telling it it's the same thing with luke going into the cave on in the second star wars movie which empire strikes oh, back yeah. and with yoda and he has to go <laughs> yeah. face he gotta go face that he is this darth vader he doesn't even know he's the son of darth vader but then he yeah. becomes this great light being it's the same story mm. yeah it's the same story i guess the I hard love- part is i in 2016 i was the whole year I was in the dark night of the soul, and then I got January 17th. I, I got up for air, and I, and I thought, okay, I'm great. I'm cool, you know. No. Back in August, <laughs> it just went I don't mean to laugh. Yeah. No, no, right. no. I'm fine with that because I'm, thank God, I'm, being, I'm up for a little bit of air right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, we appreciate you sharing the story, Andrea, because... It matches, I think, most of our lives. And to admit it and recognize it, I think, is a beautiful thing. So thank you thank for you sharing, so Andrea. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. You're welcome. Someone else? Nettie, this is Pam. Hi, Pam. Hey, Pam. Arizona. Hi. I just want to thank you so much for sharing the four different stories. And it's so interesting to me just to see the common thread, how you were able mm-hmm. to weave that through all four of the stories. And especially with the food principle, I found that really interesting. And I like how you applied that. So thank you so much. And the other point I wanted to say is just with Norm Sheely and Carolyn Mace, Mm -hmm. it takes Mm -hmm. me back to some of the learnings and teachings that I had several years ago. So I I like that. And then the reminders with the five stages of prayer and healing with Ron Mm -hmm. Roth. That's something I definitely Mm -hmm. want to pull back out and it's a great reminder so again thank you so many great nuggets of information that you just brought brought to light you're welcome and you you just said something also i just want to remind tell you a little thing when i said about food and also knowing that food is what you let yourself see and take in and that's something which has always been an edge for me but just talking about these stories around five years ago when i was teaching a group of westerners about what led up to the bhagavad-gita so really the background of the mahabharata and i did this whole series of evening presentations one of my indian friends said to me you know Nettie, you can see the old versions on youtube and I said, oh, I need subtitles. But then later I typed in on YouTube, Mahabharat English subtitles. And of course, oh. there it was. And that launched wow. many years now of 
an addiction to watching these incredible Indian dramas from every different generation, including right now, which Mm. get released either on YouTube or on DVD. And the reason I say the kind of food is that my friend Jan, I I live in a shared house with a couple of people. We watch them almost every night. And what sometimes we get tired of watching something or she'll say, oh, let's watch a movie instead or let's watch some, you know, we'll watch something that makes us laugh. But we have observed over years that when we don't watch one of the Purans before we go to bed, we have a different kind of sleep. We wake Mm. up different kinds of people and it's a form of food. It's a form of food for the mind. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Just like manna, once a day. Just like that, once a day. <laughs> Thank you. I definitely need that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Pam. Appreciate the insights. Sure. Thank Someone you. else. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Hi, you know, Catherine. Go. Hi. Hey, Catherine. Hi. I was, I, was, I was waiting to see if someone else wanted to talk. Now sure. <laughs> we speak up. But I really appreciate all these. I love all these stories. I love, I think it's so pertinent now because we're living in some rather turbulent times, I would say, mm-hmm. and that the ability to take in from all these, from every single culture, the stories of how you you need to be patient and know that you're going to be taken care of the manna the manna or however the food you have or the where you're going it may not look like you're going somewhere but you actually are mm-hmm. going somewhere you're in mm-hmm. a process and we're all in a process and we think it needs to be very linear and like like I want to know where we're going today or where are we going next week or what's going to happen in five years and that's not yeah. the story right now and mm-hmm. I don't think it ever has been and that's why all these myths and tales and stories are so important for us because it's such a journey that is not sometimes it's straight but sometimes it's very tangled and like wandering 40 years in this very small area (laughs) it's not a big space (laughs) oh that's good (laughs) they were crossing paths all the time you know (laughs) Um, (laughs) we passed this trail before you know (laughs) oh yeah so so it's and it's my, I feel like I'm learning how to not react so much, but to just live so much in the moment and feed myself what helps me. Like you said, either what I'm reading or what I'm looking at or what I'm saying or who I'm with. And certainly mm-hmm. celebrating life is for me is, is huge spiritual food that I get mm, in the spring you. and I get in the fall that uh, fill me up awesome. till the next yeah. night. Mm-hmm. I concur mm-hmm. that too. Uh, Catherine is but again it's going through the hard pieces I call it the suffering that we all go through people don't like to talk about it but they're actually going through it but when they come through it then then this rebirth happens and it's all about this consciousness and it's like Mm -hmm. if we not like the Israelites complain about where's my manna (laughs) it's like we have that old tendency to still complain even though we know God is faithful and it's in, it's in that place that we can encourage one another. That's why I think spiritual gatherings are so important. Go outside your home so you can listen to a different beat instead of the same old, same old. So we're blessed, and I just appreciate everybody being on the call tonight. I think we've really tapped into another place of consciousness, and Nettie led us the way there. So I appreciate that, Nettie. As you can see, she's very engaging, and that is really a gift she has. And that spirit of joy, if you get around her, she loves to laugh like I do. Because it is about just the freedom of just being. And that's why I love these conversations that we have, especially in our monthly. And not taking, and not taking yourself seriously. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> we could laugh all night, just the crazy things we've done. So, but mm-hmm. there's the joy. It's still there because yeah. you can't re- duplicate joy. We can try, but it really has to, it does come from our essence. Well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to end with prayer, which we normally do, and for whatever, I call it, whatever your need is. And I loved how when Nettie talked about the divine, divine is always present. It's always present. And sometimes we neglect tapping into that source. And Nettie, if I could ask you to just do one chant, just to tap in, and then I'll maybe have some words of knowledge or prayers specifically for some places that we need healing for. Okay. So I'm going to do a chant that is asks 
for peace for not only the whole world, but at every level, like we say, at the mind, spirit, and body. And the words have been a little bit different than some people are familiar with, but here we go. That's okay. Samastaloka Sukino Bhavantu Samastaloka Sukino Bhavantu Samastaloka Sukino Bhavantu Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. That's such a sweet sound. Let's just take that sound in, in the silence, because you felt that, that vibration in your heart. And with the connection to the heart, we have access to the whole body. So let that deep peace that passes all understanding now to go down to every organ in our body, cleansing it, renewing it, restoring it. Let them hear the echo of heaven, of the divine. Whisper in their ears, you are whole, you are complete, you are healed by the very Ruha of God. Come forth, Holy Spirit. Renew us, restore us, bring us out of the dark night and allow grace to flow like living water for our substance, for our support. Continue to bless. Whatever heaven has, it says there's riches in heaven. The streets are paved in gold and silver and diamonds and jewels. So there shall be on earth. So we allow that goodness of God, the resources of heaven, now to manifest in each and everyone's life with the sages, with the saints, the cloud of witnesses. They're all here for us. Let those spiritual deposits of heaven become the food, the manna we eat right now for tomorrow or the next day. And allow that bloom of heaven, that blossoming, that seed that was laid dormant and now becomes alive and grows. So we bless our health, our relationships, our finances, but ultimately our relationship with the divine. Thank you, O Lord our God, for that living breath. Thank you, God, for your, the love of God for us as beloved daughters and sons. Ami, so be it. Amen. It is so. Amen. Well, yeah. thank you, Nettie. Love to do this again. Thanks yes, for being thanks on the call. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everybody. Uh, and good night and God bless. Thank Namaste.